0: Hello, everybody. Um, Welcome to Art Tells a Story, Let It Tell Yours. Uh, My name is Matt Swift. I'm a local filmmaker, media artist, educator, and co-founder of the Columbus Moving Image Art Review, uh, the longest-running free-to-attend and free to submit showcase of films in central Ohio and surrounding areas. Um, I want to thank really quick Jim and Michael Reese, the Reese brothers, uh, for their constant support of artists uh, both like locally, domestically, and internationally, like everything they do, they're involved in so many projects, and they help support this broadcast. Um, also, thanks goes out to Nikki Swift, uh, Nicholas Cinemographics, uh, for putting on this weekly broadcast. It's it's been going on for quite some time now. Uh, you know, we're we're looking at three three months that this thing's going on to support local artists and have a chance to have conversations with artists. Uh, so today, I'm going to be hosting a talk. Uh, with a longtime colleague and friend uh, of mine that's a local uh, moving image artist, filmmaker, video artist here in Columbus, Ohio, Eric Homan. Uh, Eric Holman is an assistant professor at the Columbus College of Art and Design in downtown Columbus, Ohio. Uh, he earned his Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in time-based media studies from CCD in 1998 and then received his Master of Fine Arts uh, in Computer Arts at Florida Atlantic University in 2000. Um, Eric employs his creative skills of using video, animation, photography, and digital technology as a means of communication, creativity, and self-expression. So, welcome everybody. And we're gonna have a conversation with Eric. How are you doing today, Eric? Oh, pretty good. Thank you for inviting me, Matt. Cool, it's great to have you. So, I wanted to start off the first question here with, Uh, a little bit of a surprise question for you. So, um, you know, I run the Columbus Moving Image Art Review, and you've been participating in there for a pretty long time. And I think I told you this a few months ago that uh, you, besides myself maybe, uh, because I show work regularly, um, you are the most prolific participant in our 10 years worth of quarterly screenings. We're We're about to have the 44th screening, and you, you participated in more than any other filmmaker. I'm wondering, do you remember the when and what film you show the very first time that you showed with Columbus Moving Image Art Review?
1: Hmm.
0: Luckily for <laughs> me, I looked it up on my computer.
1: <laughs> oh, that's cheating. Oh, you can't see what I'm looking up right now. You have no idea. Let's see. Let's see. Hold on. <laughs>
0: Well, I know it's, it's been quite a while.
1: Time la- it's life lapses
0: 2013 number three. Yeah. So that's March 22nd of 2013. That's, we call it CMAR is the acronym for people tuning in. CMIR, Compass Moving Image Art Review. That's CMAR number 14. Um, so you have participated in 27. You have shown 20, more than 27 films because sometimes you've shown more than once, but you've participated in 27 out of 44 or 43 Columbus moving image art reviews here locally. So over half.
1: Yeah. And and this, this brings up um, the importance of the event that you have been hosting and been generous enough to um, have this going on in central Ohio is that you have an avenue for us type of filmmakers that are video artists that don't necessarily have a lot of, Places to show, to show at. at uh, and this is like one of the best places that we can meet other filmmakers, mingle, show your work on a big screen. And it doesn't matter if it's animation or documentary or video art, as long as it's a moving image. I love the way you talk about that. It's like, it's, it can be a photograph, but as long as it's a little bit of movement happening in there and it, it involves time, that's what you're looking for. And that kind of openness and generosity has is, is always been very much appreciated. So I've been, I've been saying, "Hey, man, i been. This is exactly what I've been looking for." Uh, so, uh, nice plug for your Columbus <laughs> Moving Image Art Review, and just to say thank you for that as well, because it's it's been helpful for me, and it's been a, nice to get the work out there, and it it motivates you too to do more work. It says, "Hey, there's a there's an avenue for this." Uh, so it's been very. Um, beneficial to, I mean, I I don't, I don't think I would have met you either without that event. So, and as well as Nikki Swift. So,
0: um, thank you for both of you. That's, that's great to hear. Yeah. I mean, and what you're saying right there are things that we say regularly. It's one of the reasons we made the event in the first place and we do it four times a year is because, you know, we wanted to have a place to motivate people as a video artist in a town like this, once you get out of school where a professor is constantly asking you to make something to show in class, like you could make things, but where are you going to show them? And so that drive to show them slowly fades a little bit. And so then you're like, well, you know, I have other things to do. I don't really have time to make another piece. I'm not going to show anybody anyways. And you, as an artist, like the mo- the hardest thing for any artist to do is get to the studio, walk down the hall, <laughs> pick up the brush and paint a painting. Like that's the one, the hardest thing to do. Once you're in the studio and you got the brush and you got the paint, you know, yeah, painting and painting is hard, but actually just getting the motivation to go and start is very difficult and anything we can do to help people who are making film, documentary, animation, video art, any of that stuff um, is, you know, anything we can do to help them is, is what we want to do. So uh, we, you know, we, we've shared a lot of experiences, a handful of experiences over the years because of that. But, you know, we don't often get to talk about our each other. Like, you know, we very, well, we're always talking about film or about what's going on with school or other kinds of stuff. And so I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about, you know, how, how did you get started doing this? I mean, you, 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 got, you were at CCAD and Time-Based Media Studies and then you went on to Florida. Like, you know, what, what really got you started making this work? Yeah, so the crazy thing is, is that I did not have any
1: time-based background when I started at Columbus College of Art and Design. I tell my students that because I, you know, I'm meeting a new group of freshmen. Uh, we're in week three now, the new semester of online teaching with some of them. And some of them are kind of freaked out because they have never had any type of art experience and they're next to other people that I've had a lot. So you're trying to um, tell them to be patient. But I did have a passion for movies. Um I, I read movie guides and magazines and different types of film books, just learning as much as I could about what was good cinema out there and reading film criticism. Uh, and then I, you know, you start taking those video classes and I started taking um, animation and video at the same time as well as interactive art uh, as well as computer animation. And that's when the major at CCAD was called Time-Based Media Studies uh, and that is now split off into three different majors now, which is film and video, animation, and game design. So that's like become three different major areas. Um, but I just was always intrigued by film and animation. Those were major draws for me. Uh, and I just kept following it. And you know, the more classes you take, the more uh, projects you start developing – you get around more like-minded creative people and there's no greater joy than making art. And again, that's where um, the Columbus Moving Image Art Review is a good thing because you gotta be around other people that share that interest and that drive. Um, And then when I graduated CCAD, um, I realized I was very creative or more experimental minded. And I decided that, you know, the only way for me to keep doing what I'm doing is becoming a teacher. I knew I needed to get a graduate degree, so that's what led me to the Florida Center, Florida Center for Electronic Communication in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It was headed by the poet laureate of Florida at the time, Edmund Skellings, and he was known as the electric poet in the 1960s. Um, he, did, he was one of the first people that combined 3D animation with poetry, and one of the things that he pushed us to do that you'll, you'll appreciate is that he wanted all the students to you know, write their own poetry as well as record their own voiceover to the work. Um, so I was really excited by 3D animation, mainly because of um, a film called Tron, <laughs> the Disney film from 1982, because it dealt with this new dimension of this three-dimensional world inside of a video game. Uh, and to me, I was like, this is, I like the idea of, 3d modeling in regards to a 3d of making a 3d painting like what would a painting look like if it was three-dimensional with that same concept of tron where it was like this weird three-dimensional world that you can actually move through um so that's some of the things that i and then i wanted to make a story inside of that space as well and that's some of the projects that i made when i was a graduate student and then i got into teaching started to, I became a, a graduate assistant got hired on luckily as an assistant professor, and then found out about a teaching job here at CCED, a full-time teaching job there in 2002, and I've been teaching there for 18 years now.
0: That, I mean, that's huge. That that helps leads me into kind of the next question. You talk about all the different ways that CCED has, like, broke their their degree, their education is split up into some different tracks now, but you've come through this different areas, uh, and I mean, it makes sense why we have so much in common in a way, and, like, we can really jive off each other's works a little bit. Cause like, as you said, I have a reel behind me and I have it on mute cause we're on a call, but I wanted to have some art up and you know, how do you do, I could either do a 3d background, like a green screen background or have a TV here. And, uh, but these are all spoken word pieces like you're talking about. They're all, I wrote some kind of poetry or something to go with them. Uh, and then, there's a poetry of my own voice over top of these images. Um, But, you know, I was trained on a lot of the same stuff uh, in a way. A lot of uh, stuff coming out of like San Francisco and other places in the 60s, 50s, 60s, um, where they were taking the huge kind of beatnik of poetry culture mixed with experimental film culture. And the next thing you know, you have these people just jiving off of each other. and, And then the next thing you have transcendental Film and animation, people doing stuff and early computer animation stuff where they're doing mandalas and all kinds of geometric patterns and stuff. Um, So, you know, we come from a lot of the same backgrounds there. Um, But I do know that you work in a few different kinds of medium. And so um, you also do some stuff in a documentary realm. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, you got started doing a little bit more documentary work? Yeah, that was, uh, I didn't really have any,
1: I was always videotaping. Uh, That's something that people always thought was kind of stereotypical about me because I'm always taking pictures. And that's because of that rabid curiosity. If something attracts my eye, I just want to, just got to capture that moment. And that was based on my experiences as a photography student or taking photography classes at CCAD because I didn't have enough, I didn't have a car. So I didn't have access to getting good pictures and good subject matter. So wherever I go, I take a camera with me and video camera and I shoot as much as I can. Um, And that's just a way of me building up my portfolio. Um, And that leads me to some of the projects I'm working on now is that I have this massive amount of backlog. If I can just organize it and then get a story into it, then... I'm able to get some interesting projects out of that. Uh, So that's how I've been kind of building things up over and over.
0: So a good quick question real quick is like, so how many hard drives do you have? (laughs) I don't know if you can see that. Oh my gosh, yeah, you got a stack of of, of drives there. There's actually two stacks of. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> I have hard drives next to me and then beneath me is some more hard. um i got some tupperware some shelving that i also have some older hard drives in there as well um <sighs> so, yeah i'm always afraid of backing up work because i've seen students lose their work and everyone's gone through that Even just uh, two days ago, we had a big power outage, and uh, I had hard drives hooked up, and I had to do. And one of my hard drives wasn't loading, so I had to do a virus. I mean, I had to do a scan on this computer or this Mac, and it wouldn't bring it back up again. So I brought it downstairs to my PC, and I do it a scan for about an hour, and I actually brought it back up again. So you never know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's the same thing. I mean, we've got. I don't even know how many. We're definitely in the. Probably pushing the we're way over the terabyte limit here. At, at some point, uh, we've got so many terabytes of hard drive space filled with stuff, and then filing cabinets. Um, one thing about both me and Nikki, our background is in masters in library information science, and we're preservationists. We were really interested, interested in film preservation and started out in sixteen millimeter libraries and doing a lot of archival work. And so, like, every CMAR, like, the Columbus Moving Majority Review, since 2009, we still have a copy of basically every submission that's ever been submitted. Um, we have a copy of every show. Uh, and then that's just that alone. We've got copies of our own work, other people's work they've given us, uh, work we've done for other people. We have two filing cabinets, like, four, draw, four drawers tall in our basement with, like, envelopes full of just... DVDs, CDs, tapes—you name it. <laughs> Just like
1: MacTop. up. Every, every artist is like that. They got to have a filing system for all their work. That's half the job is the organization of it. Um, otherwise, no. you can get overwhelmed, and you're gonna f- lose what you <laughs> have. And that to me is is terrifying. That's that's a really, yeah. that's a big panicky thing to have something have that
0: happen. We've been working on some bigger projects, so I'll confess that cause we're looking on working on some larger projects that we've got a few drives hovering with only about a hundred gigs left. Yeah. <laughs> on them. And we're like, all right, we got to start backing some stuff up. That's a big thing about video artists. Like you just, we do the same thing. Everything, everywhere we go, we take a camera and we're documenting everything we see everywhere we are. We're bringing that home, dumping it to use later somehow. And you know, Uh, pieces end up being made out of all that stuff. So that's really cool.
1: And I think one of the things that we both have in common is that we're both kind of memory artists in a way, in a way, and experience artists, uh, just writing about existence in a way. Um, So like some of the first pieces I submitted to the Columbus Moving Image Art Review are just um, these time-lapse pieces showing, you know, the passage of months, changes of seasons, and kind of, you know, these little observations about little moments in life, slices of life.
0: Yeah, let's talk about, like, life lapse really quick. So this is, uh, we just really never gotten into this. So life lapse is a, it's a piece you can find, you know, uh, Eric's got a video, a Vimeo channel, a YouTube channel that has, like, over 400, right? There's over 400 pieces on your YouTube channel, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so uh, there's tons of other out there. You can probably find life lapse 2013, number three um and they're these seasonal images um and it's most likely done with a gopro or something what i want to know is are you leaving that camera up there for that season or do you have it marked off so that you can go and put the camera back and like take it down and put it back on a regular basis
1: well i um i would just uh know exactly where i've been putting it and then just through clever editing you just kind of mix it all together uh yeah, base, that's basically what I was doing.
0: <laughs> Ooh, no, I mean, that's that's something you learn from photography is that you, I tend to, out of habit, I shoot for the frame because I'm video and, and film. I don't necessarily shoot for the crop. And some photographers shoot for the crop. And the one thing as a video artist, you can remember like using something like a GoPro, as long as you get it pretty close yeah. and pointing kind of in the right direction, you give yourself enough no you could go back later and actually go for the crop and that's, adjust it and make where, things go together. That's where the external hard drives are coming in because
1: you're, you're making these really high resolution pictures but then you can basically scale into them. You can do some really interesting editing effects with them. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm always using, I mean, use the GoPro as kind of like a, a very an experimental device too. You'll know, sometimes just set it up, nothing will happen. you look at the f- footage and go, well, darn it, <laughs> It didn't work, sometimes you, know, you will get something really weird happening in front of that camera. Um, and then when you play it back at like 3,000%, you'll get something that's very magical.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you about, you have this like stack of stuff behind you, uh, which is, looks like a mostly audio yep. from what I can tell from one wall, but uh, on your website, you have a whole list of movies and stuff. Uh, you know what are some of the what are some of the other films or other artists that are out there that that you've been really getting into lately that's inspired you at this point yeah again this
1: this answer will be completely different every single week every single year um just like last night i was looking up my uh fate my favorite films on vincent van gogh (laughs) and there's like 10 different movies that are all exploring vincent van gogh from a slightly different angle and One of my favorite films is Lust for Life. It's a Vincent Minnelli film from 1956 with Kirk Douglas as Vincent Van Gogh. It's the most passionate portrayal of Vincent Van Gogh and it has Anthony Quinn as Paul Gauguin. And then you have Tim Roth as Vincent Van Gogh and the Robert Altman film, uh, Vincent and Theo from 1989. So it's like those films are, I, I think those are good films because they deal with the artist's drive. They deal with the reason why we do the work that we do. Um, especially in the times that we're living in right now, dealing with COVID and the need to work. Um, That's what that Lust for Life film was about, is is Vincent's passion for the need to work every single day. And the the need, it's like a reason to breathe. Uh, If you don't, it's like, you it's the same old phrase about the shark that stops swimming, dies and things like that. Uh, that's what Vincent Van Gogh was like. He made like hundreds and hundreds of paintings in within like four years of his career as an artist, <laughs> and, and they were. I mean, that was everything. He gave everything he could just to make all those those films. Um, but before we uh, got started, I was talking about to you about. You know, I was uh, watching. Twin Peaks, The Return, that the Showtime show that came out three years ago. Um, you know, that's, again, I was really noticing how experimental the, the pacing was, the editing choices they were, um, using a dream sequences, and just like, really challenging narrative devices to tell this very strange story in David Lynch's head um, over 18 hours. So it's an... It's 18 one-hour episodes of that Twin Peaks episode um, show, and I hadn't been into Twin. I hadn't been into David Lynch for quite a few years, and then, you know, watching that again, it just it made me bring back um, um, some of the David Lynch soundtracks, and I started listening to that while doing work on my computer. Um, So that puts you in a a certain trance, and uh, when you're talking about doing this um, interview, you're asking like you should have things behind you that represent. Part of your art and how you do the work you do. And this is literally my secret, is the music. Um, if I put music on, I can work for hours. And I tell my students that too, all the time. Is that if you're having trouble motivating yourself, put some music on, put it on earbuds or whatever you need to do. It'll put you in the right frame of mind and you'll get the work done. You'll get a lot
0: of great work all the way through. Um, so that that, is- that's a really great, that's a really great tip, man. Cause I, that's the same way I work. It's the way Nikki works. Like everything is based on stuff. And uh, I showed you that screen earlier. I had that installation down at the Hilton downtown and that was a tricky situation. Cause it was uh, a, a person who was uh, commissioning me and they had a designer that like really saw the vision. We had worked on the, on the vision, but the owners of the hotel were a little like, they, they were suspects <laughs> of the vision, which is of course the people with the money paying for it. right? They're always a little suspect of the vision. And um, they would get back to me and say, you have like two days. They're like, hey, I know we took a while to get to you, but now that we did, can you get us something back in like two days? We have another meeting. And I would freak out. And one night I just needed, uh, I was freaking out. It wasn't working right. And uh, I put on some music and I put on, I know Motown would get me in the mood. So I put on a bunch of my Motown soundtrack. And it was like three or four songs in. I was like, it's just not happening, not happening. And then this song came on um, that just, I was just like, there it is. And I worked for four hours straight and took it from like feeling like I was nowhere at all to 95% ready to start presenting this thing. Uh, Cause it just all clicked into place. Once I got in the groove The music, can really drive it. Like everything, almost everything I do is driven by music in some way um, as I'm editing it as well. So, awesome. And I'm big Uh, as well. And comic book writers often will write
1: to music that's playing around them to get into the right frame of mind to set the tone of what they're trying to establish. Um, so it's, it's a many, many different creative fields where they use that device. And to me, it just, it shuts out, it shuts everything else out. It's, it's really powerful.
0: Yeah. That, so we actually got a really good question from the crowd uh, out there watching is, um, so how do you, I know this is a challenge for me too, but how do you balance teaching and art making uh, and even writing and watching film? Like how, how do you balance your time? How do you find a way to do that? And family <laughs> and family. Right. Yeah.
1: Cause that's the, like right now I'm, I'm teaching these online courses, but I'm also trying to, my daughter sometimes in the next room, trying to, to learn online right now at, at, as well. Um, so it's, and then there's, you know, there's, there's so many things you're juggling in life. Um, and that's the answer to that one. It changes every single day. Um, you just you gotta work on time management. Um and then like to me the, the big reason I teach is so I can have those summers to work. Um and and just having the 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 school expects you to work and get your work out there. So to me that's no problem. I mean, I'm I'm happy <laughs> about that. But then, you know, there's other times where you gotta be a, a father, you gotta be a husband, you gotta do chores around the house. Um but then I don't procrastinate either. Um, I tend to work ahead. That's something I was talking to my students about today. <laughs> uh, I typically will do things right away. And that's something that helps me alleviate pressure is to just not procrastinate. I never do things at of very close to a deadline, almost always
0: start early. Yep, I'm the, I'm the same way. That's really good advice. Plan, plan, plan ahead. Like, you know, don't wait to the last minute. It It's, it can be very frustrating. Um, I was, we were working with somebody previously and we did a thing and then, and they're like, oh, you know, I'm going to take a stab at it. And then they waited till like the day it was ready. And they're like, hey, can you help? And I'm like, no, actually, no, <laughs> we can't. Like, we already put things in this time slot. Like you have to manage your time. Like, look, this today is the day that we're really busy with other things. If we would have known four days ago, we could have lent a hand. Like, like, but like you, it's all about that time management, planning it out and having a calendar. And it's just something that's not very creative though, right? The, the time management thing is not a really creative thing. So do you have a tool? Yeah, if you have like a calendar that you can
1: schedule things and give yourself alarms. Um, even for like doing this today, just getting that alarm on my phone, even though I didn't need it, it's helpful to just ease my my anxiety. I don't have to deal with trying to remember so many different things. And as you get older, you can't remember as much. And then that makes you feel frustrated. Uh, and I was telling my students that too. Uh, we have We have an online um, course page so showing them how you can access seeing all your your deadlines for your assignments so you can plan things out accordingly and then you can see a list of them um, and by using digital tools and technology that can help alleviate so much panic of missing deadlines
0: yeah so we have another I have some questions too but this like you brought up you know your teaching again uh, you know just curious like from it, I have some of these is is there like a story or like a, an experience with one of your students that like you know one of your best teaching experiences or or you know the value of of teaching art like that really means something to you oh boy there's I do keep a
1: journal and that's another artistic expression I sometimes rely on that um, and I do keep a log of like crazy student emails that I've gotten that have been Four in the morning emails that I've gotten (laughs) of students just giving me really weird rambling uh, questions that they're having, Um, but for the most part, this just—I'll just talk about this week. Just doing online teaching and not—that's a brave new territory, and not sure if it was going to work or not. And so far, it's been working pretty good. Um, And what's been nice about this week uh, is that. Over the summer, we had to kind of spread out the curriculum a little bit more. And by doing that, it gave us more time to reflect on what the lectures were. And that right now, it's dealing with gestalt theory. So the students were able to talk about found examples of gestalt principles dealing with law of prognosis and closure and all these kind of ways the, the brain organizes materials together. So this week, the students were able to talk about these things, and they were seeing things that they were, and they were showing examples of things they were interested in, and they were talking about them in ways of discovery. That's what I love, because that's where they're making new discoveries based on information that you're giving them. And something's clicking in their head and they're pointing things out to me that I hadn't seen in some visuals. Like some, um, a student this morning was showing a movie poster for Under the Silver Lake, which is a film that came out a few years ago, kind of a surreal noir film. Um, And the movie poster had these bubbles coming up. uh, uh, It's like this woman's underwater, and you see these bubbles coming up, and there's faces inside the bubbles. And I'm like, I've seen this movie poster several times. I never noticed those faces. And the student noticed those and pointed them out. I'm like, hey, thank you, Professor Aaron.
0: Thank you. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a great experience and as you said bubbles suddenly then like the piece that i showed last c mark came up with bubbles on the screen behind me <laughs> it's like synchronicity sometimes those teaching moments it's just every once in a while you'll be teaching a subject and and a student stumbles onto something and it and it just like it opens up something that you you yourself as the teacher just weren't aware of um or maybe it was a question you were trying to answer Right? And you, by talking it out with a student and then showing them their world to you, then suddenly, boom, you, you have this new perspective. So that's great. Um, let me see. So previously you were talking about, you know, working and music and, you know, and time management, lower anxiety. So like, what kind of stuff are you working on right now? Like given the current climate, you're prepping for online teaching, you know, home, life as well, uh, with family, you know, what's your your work routine look like? So that
1: got moved upside down starting March (laughs) with everyone. Um, So I'm definitely an introvert. And, you know, this room, I'm in this room a lot during my days when I'm not teaching, um, just working on this computer that I'm on, that we're doing this right now. And and starting in March, you know, you're forced to stay home for this quarantine, and suddenly it was like a writer who was forcing themselves to go into a log cabin to write their novel that they never got to do. So, you know, the past few months has been pretty good because I had all this work that I've put together, so I've been able to really focus on some different types of projects I've been meaning to work on for like 10, 20 years of imagery I've been shooting. And one of them is dealing, it's called faces found, dealing with, um, again, Gestalt principles, Gestalt theory, dealing with how our brain sees faces, and it's called pareidolia, is this phenomenon. And basically, even, even right now behind you, uh, Matt, over your shoulder, if you combine mm-hmm. some of your frames with that speaker there, uh, it creates a little bit of a mouth. So what, one of the things I take pictures of is whenever I'm walking around and I see a face, I'll take a picture of it. So I've literally got hundreds and hundreds of pictures. So I've been organizing those over you know, 15 years worth of photography. And then I've been writing a story or and of dealing with creativity, about opening your imagination to understanding what, um, uh, what these images can allow you to kind of grow as an artist. Then, I mean, and also this is how this product got started coming together is because I told a student about this and I was putting, I was writing this together for a sabbatical application as well and I told a student about this because I was telling her, would you like to draw your interpretation of what you see in this image and then she was like, hey, I like this idea so so I, that kind of got me the pressure to start putting things together in a way that made sense, and then the, the COVID crisis happened, and then I was home all the time. <laughs> I was able to start putting this together, and I had a uh, one of the programs I helped teach in is dealing with the Adobe Creative Cloud with um, Adobe InDesign, so that's a program for layout for design, so that was allowing me to use um, words and images, again, and, Moving image art review, dealing with um, sequential images as well as as well as text, and that kind of goes with my interest in comic books as well. <laughs> so I was um, finding ways to use these images of creating faces in a way that helps inspire people to dream more and to slow down and look around at the world at you and start drawing from these these surreal. Faces you might see around you it could be at national parks. It could be in your home. It could be around the block. Uh, this was something I um, did as a, a game with my daughter. It started with as a game where we would look around, we would walk around the block, and we'd say, "Hey, look at these cracks over here." Can you find more faces? And then that got me thinking. This could be a children's book, and then I started realizing this could be something for teenagers, and it could be something for adults to help inspire creativity. Because as we get older, uh, people become less creative. They get their jobs, um, you know, once you enter the real world, you, you sort of tune out. Um, and this was a way of exploring ways to get creative again. And that was how I'm collaborating with some different students to show what they are seeing, how they can draw from these images and then Possibly even have those images come to life as an animation. So that's how I was going to be using it as an interactive tool, um, and I was thinking of using a, um, augmented reality for being able to scan these pictures so that when you you look at them, they come to life as someone else's illustration, and then the, the illustration could come to life as an animation. So I like that. That it's again it's dealing with discovery. An exploration that the viewer can have with that experience.
0: So that's one. awesome. I I can't I can't wait to see the the finished project on that. I mean, you brought up there in the middle about your 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 daughter and and games, and so I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about uh, your most recent the recent piece. You got some finishing funds from some of the arts councils. Alisa's uh, eight year old, uh, like your some of your documentary work and the piece that you had just produced about her.
1: Yeah. So my daughter has high-functioning autism. So one of the ways that we are trying to find ways to engage with her was through going to different parks or even playing with toys. So those were two different pieces that I was trying to deal with um, through research, through um, uh, through you know listening to Temple Grandin's lectures or reading some of her books and other people's. Um, Tales and stories and research on the autism spectrum. I was trying to find ways of finding uh, communication outlets that are fun that people can get into that allows people to connect. And that's what you know what we do as artists as well is trying to find those ways to connect with the viewer. I was trying to find a way to connect with my daughter through ways that are fun and that ways that you can play. So. Play was involved with toys that we could have (laughs) as well as, and I got looking around my room, I got little toys all over the place. (laughs) But um, also using parks as another method to, um, as a way of exploration as well as uh, sharing experiences together.
0: And that was a way of getting her to open up more and more. That's, I mean, again, I can't keep harboring on the fact that like there's there's that's why it's such a kindred spirit thing going on here because even like the these pieces that i make these pathways pieces they're also they're 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 based on space and these spaces that so many people uh come together in and share in and the spaces depending on how they use that you use them and you interact with them they they create there's like a life there there's a memory there there's um there's different ways that you can interact with people um and i mean i think that's something that we're all craving right now and um it's you know if you if anybody who's watching if, you know if you can find a way to check out this piece that he's made uh we showed it at one of the Columbus moving image art reviews uh it's a, a beautiful little piece exploring you know it's not only about parks and about play but it's a but it's about specific things too. So there's this love, like in giving your love of fantasy and star Wars and all that stuff to your daughter. And then also then talking about like the city park system and how valuable the city park system, the Metro park here in Columbus is like this, this is almost a savior for you that you found this out, that if you take your daughter to these, these parks that a lot of places don't have access to, like she has this whole world that she gets to explore and you get to explore with her and he creates this communal experience and stuff. And I just, it's it's amazing that you've been able to figure that out and, and do it along with your art at the same time. So I, I just really, I applaud you uh, yeah, for
1: that. Well, it, it relates to what everyone's going through right now with COVID-19 and being indoors all the time. You can still go to the parks, <laughs> you know, you can still go outside, you can still go hiking. As long as you social distance from other people that might be there, uh, it's still important to get the heck outside (laughs) and uh, just give your brain some time to breathe. That's what happened to me in the first few weeks of the COVID-19 quarantine is that I had to go outside on my bike and just bike around every single day because I couldn't stand being home all the time. (laughs) It was just too much.
0: Yeah, we take a walk almost every single night. We go on a walk around our neighborhood and it's kind of our brainstorming session where like that's the time where we like we unpack what our schedule is, what we've got coming up, what we still got left to do. If there's projects we're working on, what what is it that we want to like, do with them? Can we talk about it or not? And we live kind of up in the North Linden area and we live in this nice little place where there's a lot of tree and trees and stuff. And it's amazing. We walk in and talking about some project and we turn, there's like four deer oh, like wow. sitting in somebody's backyard or, or there's like a rabbit and a squirrel, like fighting over who gets to stay in the bush. Uh, it's someone's much yard. And it's just really hilarious moments uh, that happen uh, when you're outside now that like you just i don't know I feel like we take more notice of those uh, now than we would have before just because we're in our houses so much but then once we're out and about and we're walking and we're talking and and that's our creative time we we start to notice things that we wouldn't have seen before um which i think it's just really important you got to get out there and move your body and do stuff and uh, it helps get the juices flowing that's what I tell myself so, so it's like it's important to work,
1: but it's also important to play and let your brain breathe and have that time to where you're socializing. Don't forget those, those little, those times to do those other essential tasks. Otherwise you're just going to burn yourself out.
0: Yep. That's another, that's another really great tip. So we're, you know, we're, we're at about 45 minutes in, do you have any other like last minute thoughts? Uh, you know, any work that you're working on, you'd like to share with everybody? Uh, let's see, let
1: me, I'll just, I'll bring up the, um, the panorama videos at the Columbus Convention Center that I I believe the the Reese brothers are, are helping
0: promote. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. While you're pulling that up, I'll
0: explain a little bit. So everybody, there's a screen, uh, that's in the Columbus Convention Center. There's a, it's one of the largest in North America when it was installed. It's 70 foot long. And um, I was lucky enough to help, both me and Nikki were lucky enough to help kind of test out, put an experimental art on it and seeing if it would work or whatever. And then uh, the Reese brothers had put together this call for basically, it's like a film festival to be part of this screen. It's a place for moving image artists to do this. And uh, they put together a panel and they had some cash prizes associated with it. And people, you had, it's very specific, very thin format. Uh, video because it's only seven foot tall by 70 foot wide uh so your tv is like 1080 by nine you know 1920 well this screen is like 4500 by 30 by 320 <laughs> so it's like really thin uh, but uh yeah eric had made work for that other people locally had made some work for that um and they did a huge celebration they're hoping to do that festival again but with the current state of things, with the convention center, it's tough. I'm sure it will get booted up again as it goes. So, go ahead. You have something to share? Yeah. So this is about
1: just like three and a half minutes long. What you're seeing here isn't is a kind of visual representation of what one of these pieces would look like in that space. It starts off with the convention, the uh, Columbus Convention Center's that big, long, super wide video screen. Uh, so let's see. I'm going to share my screen. Yeah. All right. Awesome.
0: Oh, are these part of the 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 one that you had submitted or is the are these uh ones that you're hoping to submit for the next round um this is
1: something i had put together for the ohio arts council about a month ago um but this i might have submitted this but this is kind of like showing how it would look like in that space
0: So how are you? Uh, I think I've seen some of the imaging before, the colors and stuff. So you can can you talk a little bit about the process of? Uh, so first off, what's the, what software are you using? Are you are you, to start off with? Are you drawing these squares and then moving into something else? Can you walk us through it a little bit? Yeah. So what you're this is uh, an
1: extremely complex <laughs> process because this is actually a- after a this is like overlapping one video file and making a pattern out of it. And this has been inspired by being around one of my colleagues, Alice Friends, who does a lot of pattern work with fashion. So by kind of observe, kind of, and I shared an office space with her. So just by being around her, I was starting to experiment with like old video pieces I'd been working on, and then I started using that super wide panorama space to kind of create this kind of pattern with that and then overlapping them over and over again using blending modes and then I would just keep doing iterative design processes by rendering out different variations of this and then I was able to keep overlapping (laughs) it over and over again so this is just different um, rectangles Squares on top of each, each other and then using blending modes as well as um, Animating them across to start creating this this really strange dimensional look And I would never have gotten to doing this type of work unless The, um, the, the, the whole panorama video idea came about um, like designing in that super wide space that opened up a lot of new creative possibilities of what I could do as an experimental
0: artist with video. So what I'm, what I'm curious about. So, right. So you're starting off and what it looks like to me is you're starting off with, you've got, um, you know, some, some video files. Cause like, if you look real close, you can see the thin layers of video file, um, that you've laid out. And then there may be a zoom in, or something so you you've created a movement. There, not only does the video have movement, but in post production, you've then lot la- stacked them in a way and created a movement on them. And then you're you're either exporting it or nesting it in some way so that you can work within that that constraint. <laughs> and then and then basically you know you're compiling over and over. So like behind me here, this piece that I had shown at the last CMAR, right? This is very similar. This is documentary footage of of a, a a snake river, it's in near Keystone, Colorado. It's during a sunrise, and it's the same process. We're like we're basically painting in the same way, where it's basically we're taking video footage and stacking it vertically, horizontally, making it into streaks or not. It looks like you're you're like making strips of video and then stacking them in one frame, and then taking that frame and then moving that frame around. In different ways, um, you know, I'm doing a very similar thing where you know I'm I'm taking a video and then putting it on itself and on itself and on itself. How many times can you put it on itself and turn it and twist it and and it, without moving away from its original color spectrum? So at least kind of still looks like the thing that you were working with. Um, And it very much comes out of, you talk about design and sharing the space with your colleague. I mean, I grew, I come out of Asian art history uh, with my BA from OSU and spent a lot of time with like um, mandalas and the different kind of uh, architecture that exists. Also um, with Native American uh, clothing, quill work, all that other kind of stuff. It's very much patterned like fabric clothing and architectural geometric patterning that exists. And one thing that I figured out eventually was I was looking at uh, a Tibetan exhibit recently as uh, some old quill work. And they had this one that was um, it's basically, it was a hearth is what they called it. And it was a fireplace in the middle of the room. So it's like you had a fire pit and it had these weird channels around it. Did you just lose channels around it? And it, it, it uh, and it was repeated, and so it was a representation of looking down on this space in some way. So um, it's just really interesting that you're coming out of that same aspect uh, out of out of design and out of fabrics.
1: It's like we're both post-impressionistic painters, like Van Gogh and Gauguin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. We're, we're we're using a very similar concept it's the same set of brushes in a way right it's the same set of brushes to accomplish this but we're using different paint and we're using different of applications of the brush right we're not but it's but so you can see the similarities but then you can see where they depart very quickly too uh on the choices that you make uh and the end result once you get so far into it so that's really cool, man. It's so great talking to you. Um, you know, we're, we're at about almost an hour here. So um, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up. And uh, it's great seeing you. Uh, I put out the the Columbus Moving Image Art Review submissions is open right now. So you don't want to miss your chance. Uh, I think <laughs> So it's open until the 27th. I'm pretty sure you've got something to submit that we haven't seen yet. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, you can, you know, the show will be on the 9th of October, so people should feel free to, you know, they can come and check out Eric's work at the next show if he ends up submitting something. Um, and you can check out, what is it, movingimageart.wordpress.com. You can also look me up to find out more about it. Um, also, if you just search Eric Homan and, and Columbus, I'm pretty sure links to everything come up (laughs) because I've done that with myself too, (laughs) so uh, so you have, you have Facebook, you have, um, I know you have, uh, a website. It's, uh, ericholman.com. Um, people can check out more of your work there. They can see stuff about the documentary work you've been doing. Um, and so again, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing with us. Um, hopefully we'll be able to see each other soon. Um. For everybody out there, Nikki and I have been working on a feature autism film for quite some time, and we're finally at test screening mode, and Eric actually was nice enough to participate in that film, Um, and so we were just talking before the show about we're going to have to eventually do a test screening with him so that he can see the film before we publicly (laughs) release it, so hopefully we can make that happen. Sounds great. I look forward to it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, great. Well, thanks everybody. Again, thanks for the Reese brothers for helping put this show on Uh, our next episode. I believe I'm going to be back again uh, and I'm going to be working. uh, We've got a kind of a, I'm OSU, my private, you know, I'm the graduate coordinator for I'm the uh, communication coordinator for the graduate school. I used to help run the film studies program at Ohio state university. Uh, But I'm interviewing all people from CCAD the next three weeks. So, you know, we got Eric here is assistant professor. And then uh, next week we're going to be working with a CG Ryan. Uh, She's also a long participant in Columbus moving image art review, but who just got her MFA from CCAD. Uh, So we'll be talking to her next Thursday at four thirty, Same bat time, same bat channel. I hope that's not trademarked. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See everybody. Thanks for tuning in.